We're in this, uh, we're going through the book of Matthew this entire year, and man, it's just been awesome. It's just been a great year, just going through verse by verse. We started at the beginning of the year, uh, chapter one. Actually, we started in December in chapter one. Uh, we did Christmas in chapter one. It was kind of a pre-launch to the series, and then we've been going through this uh, verse by verse every single month, and man, it is powerful. I've just loved being in the story because what Matthew is giving us, he's giving us more than just a book of the Bible, what Matthew is giving us is a firsthand account, eyewitness account of Jesus. What was it like when Jesus walked this earth? What was he like? What did he do? What was it like to see him up close and personal? Matthew is giving us that. And man, it is amazing. It is blowing our minds, going through it verse by verse. We're learning so much as we're walking through this story. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, last time as we were in this series, we're talking about how Jesus is building his kingdom impact team. Remember that? Kingdom impact team. Jesus is building the kingdom impact team. And he's using a bunch of us to do it. He's going to change the world. He's going he's gonna to literally think about this for just one moment. This is unbelievable if you think about this for a second. God is reconciling humanity back to himself. That's a pretty big deal, right? Like there's no bigger thing than that. And yet, he doesn't just choose to do it by himself. He chooses to use all of us to do it. And so that's, that's the kingdom impact team. He wants, to, he wants to use us to be a part of that. And so now in our passage, he's getting ready to send them out with power. He's getting ready to say, hey, I want you to go out. I'm, you're going to do this. You've seen me do it. Now I want you to do this. And you are going to make a difference. People are going to be saved. People are going to be healed. Demons are going to be cast out. It is going to be amazing. And it is going to go perfectly, right? It's going to go, I mean, surely, like, I mean, you're doing the Lord's work. People are going to be high-fiving you. People are going to be just giving you big old hugs. It's going to be amazing. It's like what, what uh, Scotty talked about last week. It's going to be one highlight reel after another highlight reel after another highlight reel. Right? Probably not. Probably not, and that's what I want to talk about today. It's, it's not going to be highlight after highlight because, let's be honest, a lot of times spiritual work in particular can feel less like an ESPN top 10 highlight reel and more like HBO Hard Knocks. Come on, somebody. Like, that's what it can feel like. I mean, when you're, when you're going through it, like, you just think, oh, man, I'm going to go share my faith with someone. They're going to be like, well, I'm going to hand them a tailgate ticket, and they're going to be like, thank you so much. You changed my life. And they want to give you a hug. Like, that's what it's going to be like, right? No, how many of you know doing the Lord's work can be difficult? Sometimes you go to invite someone to church and be like, hey, I just want to see if you want to come with me to church. And they go, you Christians are so judgy. You little judge, you're probably judging me right now, Christian. You little judgy judge. You little judge Judy. How many of you know, like, you think it's going to be amazing? It's going to be, you think it's going to be high fives, warm fuzzies. It's supposed to be awesome. But how many of you know spiritual work can be difficult? Or like you start volunteering. Don't we just love all of our volunteers here at Summit Park Church? Come on, let's give them a big hand. All of our volunteers, we love you. But how many of you, know, you start volunteering, you think it's going to be this unbelievable thing, and you, you show up, you get your badge, you're so excited. You get there, you're like, man, I went through growth track, I know all of the values, here we go. 
and you show up and you, you make the coffee and you get it all ready and you're trying to make everything straight and you put it out there and someone comes up, you got decaf? Uh, no, I'm sorry. You got any dairy-free creamer? No, I'm sorry. You got any recycling bins for these coffee cups? Uh, no, sorry. We, these are all real complaints, by the way. Um, And they just walk away being like, you guys are terrible. You disgust me. You're like, cool, I was just trying to serve God. Like, that's how volunteering can be. It can be, it can be almost thankless. It can, you're trying to, I mean, things don't fall down. It's not perfect. Is anything going to fall on me? <laughs> Do I need to be concerned? Here's the reality. When you're trying to be the light, not every day is a highlight. Come on, somebody. It's just not a highlight. When you, when you partner with God, when you want to do what God wants you to do, it is the greatest thing that can ever be done. There is nothing more important. There is nothing more significant. But it is not always easy. And there is a greater reality at play. There is a, first of all, there's humanity. And how many of you know people are people? People are people. They are human. They are full of sin, full of themselves. And so they're not always going to be excited about being, like, shared the gospel with. They're not always going to be excited about that. So people are people, and then the devil is the devil. He doesn't like what you're doing. When you partner with God, when you're getting ready to be a part of the Kingdom Impact team, you go out there and you shine your light, you partner, you get involved, you start doing something, you start sharing your faith. The devil will not like it. The same one who caused all of the problems that we are experiencing will not like it when you try to start solving them. When you start to be partnering with God to bring light to the world, he's going to push back. And so what Jesus is doing is, is he's getting ready. All right, he's got all these guys fired up. He's modeled. He's gone through all of Galilee. Again, two weeks ago, we talked about this. He's been like, see the difference we can make? Now I want you guys to go do it. Before he sends them out, he's going to give them a little bit of a defensive driving school lesson. All right, so I want to I talk about, you're taking notes. I want to talk about being in the driver's seat. Write that down if you're taking notes. In the driver's seat. How many of you know it's a great place to be in the driver's seat? Remember when you got your license? Just raise your hand if you remember back when you got your license. Anybody, can anybody remember that long ago? Do you remember? Do you, I remember the day. I remember the day. I can't remember when they opened up, but I was there before they opened up. To get my license, I was so excited because I had been in the back seat. I had been in the passenger seat, but I couldn't wait to get in the driver's seat, right? It's so much fun. The freedom. The opportunity, oh, I couldn't wait just to get behind the wheel. It's, it's amazing. It's powerful. But as Spider-Man teaches us, with great power comes. Oh, man, you guys are so well-doctrinated. That's so cool. Comes great responsibility. And what, what, what we have to learn is even as you are a driver, you need to learn to be a defensive driver. Have you ever heard that term, defensive driver? I'm teaching my son right now. He's, he's turning 13 next month, and every time I'm getting behind the wheel and I'm, I'm driving him to school, I'm like, I'm teaching him how to be a defensive driver because he wants me to run every red light. Like he does. He's like, Dad, come on, you can make it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. 
Like, but you see that car that's coming right there? Like, you see that truck? See, what you, there's a truck right there, so you can't see what's behind that. So I'm teaching him to think about the things that are around the corner. I'm thinking, okay, see that person? They're in the left-hand turn lane, but their blinker's not on, but they're, pro- they're probably on their phone. And they're probably still going to turn left, so you've got to be, a, you've got to be aware. So I'm like showing him how I'm constantly scanning, RoboCop style, <laughs> defensive driving, defensive driving. I'm, I'm on the offense, but I'm aware, I'm, I'm aware that there is a defense. I'm aware that there is, a, there is something that, that could work against me if I'm not careful. And that's exactly what Jesus does as he gets ready to send these disciples out to make a difference. The Kingdom Impact team, they're going to they're gonna change the world literally, and they did. We're here because of the difference. We're having church today because of what they did. So they did it. But as he's sending them out, he says, it's not always going to be easy. I've got some instructions that are going to help you as you go out so that doesn't just rock your world and you find yourself in a, in a, in a, in a very difficult situation. So Matthew chapter 10, we're going to go verse by verse through this, starting with verse 9. Um, this is like some really good stuff. So I'm going to take a lot of time just to, just, to, just to pull out the meaning of these verses, and then we'll tie a few observations and applications at the end. And I really believe God is going to help us as we get in the driver's seat and we partner with him to be a part of his kingdom impact team. If you're ready to jump in, say, I am. Okay, verse 9. It says this, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts, no bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. Now, that kind of sounds a little bit different for us, right? I mean, you're probably not going to begin a journey and just hope that someone's going to open their doors for you. It'd be a little bit weird. You know, you're just like, oh, I think we're going to go to Colorado and just start knocking. Be like, hey, you mind if we stay with you? Yeah, people are not going to let you in. But in that day, it was expected. Hospitality was very, very important in that area of the, region, uh, of the, of the world. In fact, it still is. Hospitality is primo in, in the areas of the Middle East. If someone would show up to your house, you would stop what you were doing. You would invite them in, you would make food for them, and you would invite them to spend the night. So what Jesus is saying, at least for this first mission, as he's sending his disciples out, he's saying, pack light. Now, there's, I believe there's a lot that Jesus is saying here, but I think the big thing that Jesus is saying is, as you go out to do God's work, make sure your trust is in God. So he's saying, pack light, but he's saying, make sure your trust is in God. God. He's saying God is the, is the one who will ultimately take care of you. So don't let what you don't have keep you from stepping out into what God has for you. That's the whole, that's the whole essence. This is a faith journey. As you, as you step out into being used by God, this is a faith journey. God is leading you. God is calling you. It's not about what you can see. It's not about what what you necessarily are able to touch in this world. It's what you know that God is calling you. Faith, it's the essence of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's about stepping out. It's about letting God be our provision because ultimately, this this is really all about him. This is all about him. It's not about us. And he's not going to solve every problem. He's not going to prevent everything from happening as you step out. It's, kind of, it's, it's much more of a walk of faith. 
As you partner with God, as you're being used by God to make a difference in this world, it's much more of a, you, he gives you a step, you take it, and then you look around, and then he gives you another step, you take it, and you look around. He doesn't reveal everything to you. He doesn't provide everything for you. It is a walk of faith. So he's going to speak to you about maybe getting involved, or he's going to speak to you about sharing your faith, or he's going to speak to you about making a difference in the kingdom, and you're not going to have all of the answers. If you wait for all of the answers, you will never take a step of faith. But when you take that step of faith, he provides. This is how the walk of faith works. So he's like, hey, step out in faith. Don't take a lot of stuff with you. Verse 12, as you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, Leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Shake it off. That's what he says. Before Taylor Swift ever said it, he got Jesus himself saying, shake it off. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on that day of judgment for that town. All right, what's he saying here? He's basically saying, when you do God's work, don't be offended if they don't like you. Woo! This is such a word for us today. This is such a word for us today. We get so offended. We're so, we're, we're so easily offended. I invited you to church and you, you didn't like it and you call me names. And no, I'm never gonna invite anybody again. That's what happens. That's our society. We're so easily offended. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, don't take it personally. Do you know why you shouldn't take it personally? Because it's not about you. I just want to, like, it's like the best thing you could ever say to somebody. I know it hurts a little bit, but it's not about you. Why don't you tell someone right next to you, say, it's not about you. Come on, just tell them. Best thing they could hear. It's not about you. You're so, you're gifted. You're incredible. God wants to use you. He has a plan for you, but it's not about you. It's not about you. So if they reject you, don't take it personally. See, if you hold it loosely, if you're like, man, I'm just showing up to serve. I'm just holding the door. I'm just directing people in parking. I'm just handing out a card to an invite. If they spit on you, if they slap you across the left side and then across the right side and then they give you an uppercut, now that's going to hurt. But don't take it personally. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ. They're rejecting Christ. And so it's so freeing. It's like, God, it's, it's, not, it's not me they're rejecting. They're rejecting you. So I just, need to be, I just need to be available and not offended. Amen? Okay, how is he sending us out? This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, verse 16. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. I love that verse. Other versions say wise as serpents or harmless as doves. I love this. There's so much here. Okay, first of all, I mean, he's talking about snakes. Ever since the Garden of Eden, snakes have been referred to by their cunningness. They're sneaky. They're working angles. They're like used car salesmen, which if you're used car salesmen, we love you. We need you right now, especially right now. 
but you're always working angles. Have you ever met somebody who's always working an angle? Just raise your hand if you ever met somebody who's like, you're like, I think you're trying to sell me on something. I think you're trying to work an angle. He's like, he's like when it comes to sharing your faith, be like that. You're always looking. Because snakes, right, they're either chilling on a, on a little rock or they're, or they're looking for an opportunity. They're looking for, for a chance to hunt. He's like, be like that, always looking, always looking. Is this an opportunity to share my faith? Is this an opportunity to share my faith? Is this an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus? Is this an opportunity to invite someone to church? I'm always looking. I'm always looking for an opportunity to share my faith. Be wise as a serpent. But then he says, be harmless as a dove. So you're like, you're looking, you're looking. But then you're like, like a dove. You're like, that's the best. I tried, I practiced. That's the best I can get. That's it. I know it doesn't sound like a dove. But you get the point. You know what doves do? They don't make a, they don't make a big mess when they come into a situation. They're just very gentle. They, they fly in, they fly out. It's very soft. It's very delicate. He says, he says, be wise like a snake, but don't bite like a snake. See? Are you tracking with this? Be crafty, but don't be a jerk. Can I get an amen? Preach, but don't punch. The gospel is offensive enough. It draws line in the sands, but you don't have to be jerky about it. Be, be looking for opportunities, but don't be annoying. We live in such an interesting time with this, church. I feel like this, this passage is such a word for us because we have people uh, that are either super easily offended or who offend people super easily. <laughs> Come on. Are we having church today? Because like, I'm like, this is so good. We need Jesus' words here. People get offended over the smallest things. If that's you, your hope is too much in this world. But if you offend people, then you're not being, you're not being harmless. You're not, looking, you're not looking at people as we, what we talked about two weeks ago, as, as lost sheep that are harassed and helpless. You're not being innocent like a dove. You're making a big mess. You're making a giant mess when you show up. Both need to be avoided. We need to look for opportunities, and we need to be harmless as we take those opportunities. And I'm, I'll be honest with you, that's why we do stuff like tailgate. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to, to come in and to use, can I be honest with you, church? Can we use, we use the God of our area. Is it okay to say that? It's okay? Like, it's the God of our area to bring people to the God of the universe. Come on, somebody. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. So we're, we're harmless as doves. We come in. We come in. And we're, very, we're very gentle. But then we're looking for opportunities, and we share the truth of Jesus. Verse 17, be on your guard. It says, you'll be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. And on my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Okay, now, this is a specific prophecy for the disciples, not for their first missionary outing, but for their second. They're not going to be persecuted 
quite this, this, uh, this way the first time they go out. But Jesus is like, hey, listen, it's not going to go easy for you. You are going to endure persecution. People are going to actually throw you in jail, and they're actually going to kill you. And that happens to the disciples. Every single one of them gives their life for what they believe. Now, we don't have that kind of persecution in America today, but we do still face a measure of persecution. You, ex you experience criticism. People make fun of you. And Jesus says, don't worry. He will tell us what to say. But even then, it's not going to be roses. Look, verse 21. Brother will betray brother. A father, his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You'll be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And when you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. And truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Not good. It's going to get bad. People are going to turn their back on you. Why? Because the devil does not like what you are doing. He does not like it. And he is actively working against it. And they're treating you like they are going to treat Jesus. Look at this. Verse 24. The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of the household? What's he saying? Do you remember a couple weeks ago when they, when they called Jesus the devil? Do you remember that? A few weeks ago in Matthew when they called Jesus the devil, he's like, Jesus is saying, hey, if they're calling me the devil, how much more are they going to treat you badly? He's like, it's going to happen. They treated Jesus badly. Think about this. And he's, you know, Jesus. How much more are they going to treat you badly? And so having your faith in the right place is so important. Look at verse 26. So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will be not made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. He is saying, do not be afraid. You need to be bold. The enemy wants you to be frozen in fear by what people think about you, but that's weak sauce. That's weak sauce. You need to be bold. You need to be strong. You need to get up and know that you've got something worth living for, and you represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you've got the greatest mission. You are living out on planet Earth. There is nothing greater, and God is going before you. So he says, do not be afraid, verse 28, of those who kill the body, but those but who cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and body in hell. He's like, God is the one who matters. Can I just tell you, church, can we just remind ourselves, if you're a believer, God is the one who matters. It's him. It's about him. Life is about him. Your life is about him. But here's the beautiful thing about it. You matter to God. All of this is right in this passage. Look at this. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care? And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? He's saying, listen, have your faith in the right place. Be afraid of the right person. God is the one who matters, but you matter to God. Do you see how beautiful the gospel is? It's all about him. And yet, he's crazy about you. Isn't that cool? 
I don't know. I'm getting blessed. I'm getting blessed. All right. Good news here. All right. I want to give you three things to remember as you get behind the wheel of God's mission. Three things I believe Jesus is telling us. I want to quickly draw these conclusions, and then we're going to pray. Number one, depend on the right source. Number two, get bold about the right things. And number three, keep your hope in the right place. We're getting right today. We're getting right today, all right? I want you to tell three people, hey, it's time to get right. Come on, tell three people real quick before we jump in this. It's time to get right. It's time to get right. All right. Number one, depend on the right source. What's he saying here? Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. We just looked at that. The word fear there is phobeo. It means being afraid, being in awe, or living in reverence. It has multiple applications throughout the Gospels of what it means. So I believe what Jesus is saying is don't be afraid of man but be in awe of God. Live your life in awe of God, saying, God, this whole thing is about you. Jesus is trying to get us to put our faith in the right place. And this ties into something we looked back a few months ago in the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus was telling us about prayer, he's like, hey, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the hypocrites who pray to be seen by men. He says they'd receive the reward in full. Don't be like them. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't, be, don't do your stuff so that people see you and say, oh, good job. He says you receive all the reward that you're ever going to get. He says don't be like that. Don't be a pretender. But live for God. Not perfectly. None of us are perfect. But with our whole heart. Amen? Like that's what we need. We need people who live wholehearted lives, not like hypocrites. Their decisions are primarily based through what people will think about them. And Jesus is like, don't want to offend you, but that's really dumb. Because they don't have any power over you. No real power. Not not if we really understand what this whole thing is about, that this life is just a vapor and then eternity. Who has the real power? God. This is so important, church. Don't let your life be based on this world. Let it be based on God and what he thinks. Let me just say, like, the bank isn't the ultimate say for your life. Your boss isn't the ultimate say for your life. Someone can get excited about that, Um, unless he's in the room. Probably don't amen too loudly. Um, The government is not the ultimate say for your life, no matter who is in office. Okay, so stop putting your faith in the government. Government can't save you. Government's never saved anybody. Just taxed people. Your value, your worth is not ultimately determined by your bank account, your nationality, your job, or anything in this world. It's determined by the one who made this world. And his name is Jesus Christ. And you matter to him, and that really matters. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall? To the ground outside your father's care, and even the very hairs of your head are numbered, so don't be afraid. You're worth more. You're so valuable to God that if a little bird falls to the ground in some obscure forest, God sees it and cares about it, and yet God cares more about you. That God knows how many hairs are on your head, and when one of them falls to the ground, or six, or ten, or twelve of them fall to the ground every day, He knows about it. Wouldn't that be weird, like, to keep track of how many hairs somebody had in their head? Like, that's, like, if you were, like, walking around with a little notepad, like, 
That'd be like, you're following me around. I'd be like, that's really weird. You're really obsessive. And I would be right. God's obsessed about you. He's obsessed. So be, be obsessed with him. Let him be where you place your identity. Let God be where you get your confidence. Let God be the one who is your supply. People are a bad place to put your trust. That's what Jesus is saying. They're going to fail you every time. This world is a bad place to put your trust. It's going to let you down. But God is a beautiful place and the best place to put your trust because he will never leave you or forsake you because he loves you with an everlasting love. And he's got your back and your front and your sides. He's got you. All right. Second, so depend on the right source. First, or sec- that's the first thing. Second, get bold about the right things. Get bold about the right things. It's football season, and I love it. I love football. I watch an insane amount of football. I love playing football with my kids. I'm here for it. I'm here for all of it. I love the atmosphere. I love the vibe. I love Kansas City because we are a football city. It is so great. It's so great. And I love super fans. Have you ever seen super fans? I got a couple pictures of some super fans here. Look at this guy. The frozen tundra. So good. Lambeau Field. Look at this guy right here. I don't know if those tattoos are real, but that's committed. That's all I got to say. That guy's committed. What about the next one? Raiders. I mean, yo, that's, that, dope. That, that guy's decked out, though. I like that. I mean, I don't like the Raiders, but okay, I, like, I respect the effort. Oh, hey, look at that. Lions. Go Lions. I'm not going to sing the, the song. I, I, I know the song, but I'm not going to sing it. All right, okay, and there we go, Chiefs. This guy, this guy's really committed. And then we got another one. Do we have another one? Okay, with the X Factor guy. Have you ever heard of the X Factor? He's, a, he's, a, he's kind of a, a fan favorite. He has his own logo. He's that committed. The dude made his own logo, everybody. He's bold about the Chiefs. Jesus is saying, be bold about the truth. Be bold about the gospel. Be bold about God. Like, how many of you have had God do something in your life for real? Only raise your hand if God's actually done something. Just raise your hand. Look at this. Look at this. For real. For real. We have the truth. God is alive. God is real. God is moving. And he wants to change people's lives. And he will if they'll just give him an opportunity to do so. Amen? We have the truth. We should be bold about the truth. I love football, but football is not going to last for eternity. Now, I think you could argue that we are going to play football in heaven. I think there's an argument to be made. But I'm saying it's not eternal. But the soul is eternal. We have the truth. We have the life. We have the gospel. And it's right here. And we need to be bold about the right things. Are you bold for Jesus? Are you bold for Jesus? Because if you are, God can and will use you to bring hope and meaning and grace 
to a lost and hurting world who Jesus just told us a few weeks ago is helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. Are you bold about the right things? And the last thing is this, keep your hope in the right place. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also, we didn't read this verse. It's a bonus verse right at the end of the passage that we read. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Jesus is drawing a clear line. He's saying what really matters is eternity. What really matters is heaven. Where is your citizenship? Your real citizenship. Your real citizenship, if you are a follower of Christ, is in heaven. That's where you belong. That's where your home is. That's where you're going. But praise God that when this, life is, when this life is over, our life does not stop. It just continues because we have a hope of heaven. But if your hope is in this world, the world will fail you. It will define you. If people put you in jail, let's say we do experience persecution like the early church. If they put you in jail, they beat you, they take your home, they take your house rather. How many of you know they don't take your home? They could take your house, but they can never take your home because your home isn't here. They can't take your identity. They can't take that away from you because you are a child of God and you are living for eternity. So live with the hope of eternity. That's what Jesus is saying. And all of this starts to make a whole lot more sense. It all starts to make a, a lot more sense. We get, we get a taste of heaven now. but Man, it is going to be so sweet. Heaven is going to be so sweet. Let me ask you, is your hope in heaven? If it is, then let us live like it. Let us depend on the right source. Let's get bold about the right things. Let's make a difference this week 